Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hey everybody, welcome back to my podcast. Today I have my producer here with me. Welcome, Todd. Hi, Amber. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So we're we're here to do another Q&A. This is Q&A number four. Yes. Return of the hippie. If you guys are. No, actually, that'd be a, a new hippie, technically, if we're going yeah, with Star be, Wars. Yeah, if we're going with Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, it would, it would be, be a new a new hope because. Yeah. Okay. All right. Obviously, we, I'm not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> apparently. Yeah. You're <laughs> off by one movie on that one. I tried. <laughs> I can't remember what Star Trek for was the voyage home, maybe. So this is maybe the religious hippie, the voyage home. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> we'll just throw a bunch in there. What was Harry Potter for? No, no, we can't use Harry Potter. <laughs> we can't, That's... we can't do Harry Potter here. No. Harry, Harry Potter is satanic. We can't. Uh, yeah. No. We can't, we can't talk about that. <laughs> not satanic, just not endorsed by the religious hippie. <laughs> yeah. It's not my favorite TV series. How have you been? <laughs> I've been good. I've been busy, exciting stuff with the holidays and everything. So I'm pretty excited to do this Q and haven't done one in a while. Yeah. We've got plenty of, uh, plenty of questions here. So this is our last episode before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I'm so, excited. Fun, fun, fun. It's right around the corner. The, uh, the final episode of the year is on new year's Eve, which I believe we're doing a year in review. So it'll be very interesting to kind of see the greatest hits of what you've done through the year because there's certainly been a lot of a lot of stories to talk about not only from a religious aspect but also in a political the political landscape and the environmental landscape and all of these things we're going to talk about all kinds of things that happened this year there's Um, so much stuff that happened this year and actually lots of good stuff some bad stuff we'll probably (laughs) touch on but lots of lots of good stuff that i feel is good for us moving forward spiritually and religiously we're leaving this on a positive note, y'all. <laughs> for the uh, for the New Year's Eve. So. <laughs> yeah, we have to. It's like New Year's resolution, but we all drop off our New Year's resolution by Monday. So, you know. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> all but right. We will I'm continue excited. the podcast. We're not going to give up on that. So No, no, no. But I'm definitely not going to make that my New Year's resolution because I might. Well, so. <laughs> I've got plenty of questions here. So let's dive right into them. <laughs> okay, let's go. The first one um, is how to balance your life um, as a Catholic and as a student. 
Oof, man, I felt this. So I'm a junior in college. I do online school, which means my classes are eight weeks. And that's pretty fast paced for those who have taken summer courses in an actual college, like going to the college class. Whereas online college, I actually have to teach myself all the material. I don't really have a teacher besides just somebody that gives me homework to dictate. Um, so I have to teach myself the entire material. So yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to balance the spiritual versus educational side of things. The best thing that I can say is what's really helped me is getting ahead of my schedule. So I have a planner and it's a Catholic planner that I got off Amazon. And so it gives me all the feast days, the Marian days, um, holy days of obligation, holidays, etc. So I already know when to plan those out for this year. And then I basically plan ahead. So if I'm taking a class that's eight weeks, I will plan out when to do my homework, how long it might take, depending on, you know, if it's a paper or a quiz, etc. So I have to basically manage my time really well. Um, and that's a skill. You'll get better at it over time. And then I always make time for Jesus. If there is a paper that I'm working on, but let's say it's 7 p.m. on a Thursday when I usually go to adoration, I drop what I'm doing and I go to adoration for an hour. It doesn't matter what I'm doing, unless you're in the middle of a test. Like don't just <laughs> drop in the middle of a test and go to, go to adoration, but finish it, then go to adoration. Um, but in the end, like being loyal to God and he will, he will reward us. And so I kind of have to keep that in mind when I'm doing these kinds of things, but time management and always making time for Jesus, especially on Sundays is very important. Very good. What about help for procrastination and laziness? Is there a particular saint that would help? <laughs> I love this. Okay. So yes, technically <laughs> the patron saint of uh, laziness is Saint Anthony the Great. <laughs> so I love that. And actually his feast day is on January 17th. So maybe try praying his novena. You know, I think that would be really fun. Very good. Very good. Your, and speaking of feast days, your favorite feast days is a question from someone here. My favorite feast days. Can I just say all of them? Does that? Sure. No. Okay. No, I'm not going to say all of them. Okay. I do love all of them, but my specific ones would probably be Ash Wednesday, the Annunciation of the Lord, Palm Sunday, Easter, the Our Lady of Sorrows, All Souls Day, the birth of Jesus, again, the, and then probably the Feast of the Holy Innocents. And that's in order, by the way. In order. Good. Well, that was thorough. And you didn't Thank have you. to name them all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I could have if you wanted me to, but I won't. <laughs> Here's an interesting one. Most random saint you'll want to meet when you get home. Okay. So you guys know that recently for the last few months, for quite a while, actually, my favorite saint has been Saint Drago. He's been the patron saint of coffee and ugly people. And I find that hilarious. And I just, <laughs> I don't know why. I just really love that. Um, I also really love Saint Felicity. She was the maid of Saint Perpetua um, and she's the patron saint of healing. And so I really like her. Um, and then also I always get his name wrong. <laughs> so we're going to see if I can even pronounce it, but it's Saint Stanilis de Casca. Stanilis de Casca. I think I said that right. Anyway, he's the patron saint of broken bones in Poland and a bunch of other stuff. And I don't know why, but his, I like him a lot too. <laughs> All right. 
Well, hopefully one of those saints brings coffee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. If not, I'll be <laughs> it the could be. Sounds like coffee. a party to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the biscuits. <laughs> Here's one for you. How can I talk to my close Protestant friends about Catholicism without nerves? Mm, that's good because this is something I still struggle with quite a bit. And I think the main thing comes from knowing your faith and being confident in it. This can be really difficult to do because I feel like as Catholics, um, especially if you're a cradle Catholic and you're not a convert, you're just brought up in the faith. So you just were raised doing these things. You never really had an explanation behind why we pray the rosary or behind the Eucharist, et cetera. Um, a lot of the times we're poorly catechized in those areas. And so it's really important that we dive into our faith and, and we get a deeper understanding of what it means uh, to be Catholic and, and what we're doing as Catholics. So the first thing I would say is to deepen your faith. Catholic Answers, um, you can reach their website at www.catholic.com. They have great resources on basically everything Catholic. Um, it comes from the catechism, it's biblical, et cetera. Great resources there. Um, I guess another way to really deepen your faith is to talk to other like-minded Catholics and get involved in a group where you can be asked those hard questions, but in a comfortable environment where you can really address where uh, you're struggling in certain arguments in your faith. And then that way, if you are in with those people, they can give you uh, advice, tips, what helps them, etc. cetera. Um, and I guess the last thing I would say is to pick your battles wisely. If you want to talk about your faith, it should be respectful um, on both sides. So you should be respectful of them, of course, but they should also be respectful of you. And so if you feel like you're being disrespect, like disrespected in your faith, Jesus tells us, you know, don't throw your pearls to swine. And so sometimes it's best to keep certain things to ourselves and, and wait for the opportune moment to speak about our faith. Of course, of course. Good answer. Thank you. <laughs> is praying the rosary every day challenging for you? If so, how have you overcome it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the funny thing is a lot of people don't know this, but I actually started praying the rosary before I came back into my faith. Was I doing it right? No, but I was doing from what I remembered, uh, very little from what I remembered, uh, being small. And so it's interesting how that brought me back into the faith in general, but it can be challenging mainly because I mean, 20 minutes to pray the rosary doesn't really seem like a long amount of time. Uh, you know, it really doesn't, but to find that time to pull myself out of my work or my school to sit down in a corner and be completely silent and just uh, discuss things and stuff like, like just pray, it can be very tricky. And that's kind of, that's kind of the biggest struggle for me is being able to do that. Um, did he have a second part to that? I'm sorry. That's all there is that I see. Okay. Yeah, it is. But my biggest, my best advice for you is to set a strict time. My time is usually in the morning because that's before my brain starts going and I'm looking at my schedule and my phone, et cetera. And I'm still pretty chill from my being, you know, asleep. And so that's personally my best time. Uh, but if you don't have time in the morning, you can either make time by getting up earlier or you can do it at night or you can set an alarm during the day and do it then. Um, but 
just being present and really intentionally trying to pray it um, is probably the best thing you can do. I also highly suggest going to adoration and praying it during adoration. Should it be a daily thing? Yeah. I mean, Our Lady has asked us to do it daily. Um, Dr. Taylor Marshall, he has his own little group. Um, Keith Nestor, who was on my podcast not too long ago, was also has a group, a rosary crew. Um, so those are people that you can pray the rosary with daily. They have live streams, et cetera. Um, but yeah, we should be praying it daily. Very good. Very good. What would you say is the hardest part about being Catholic in the modern age? Oof. Okay. I think the biggest issue is one that we've been dealing with forever, which is that the world shouts sin. It's just constantly shouting it in our faces. You see it nowadays on billboards for gentlemen's clubs, and you see it um, partying all the time at frat houses. And it's just, it's constantly screaming in your face, sin, sin, sin. Um, But the thing is, is that they're coding sin with fun. So it's like, oh, but this is fun enjoy yourself. It's very um, pleasurable. It's all about me, me, me. And so it's very hard to not fall into that where it's like, it's all about me and how I feel and what I want and what I want to achieve in this life. Um, That's very difficult because you have to find that fine line between, is this something I want and is pleasurable to me? Or is this something that God's calling me to do? Um, And that comes from just anywhere from jobs to school, to, to work, to opportunities. Um, I would also say (laughs) feeling alone is a huge one. Uh, But sometimes that's good because it forces us to lean on God and rely on him a lot more. Um, so I don't think that's completely a bad thing. Uh, but then you also could get canceled for having Christian views, especially in today's world when everything's on social media. And the last thing I would say is actually, it might seem kind of dumb, but finding a quiet place to actually just pray and be at peace is very difficult because we have phones, we have airplanes going by, we have cars honking, we have kids screaming, we have birds chirping, and I love the birds, don't get me wrong, but it's very hard to find a place where you can actually just chill, you know, and and not have to be reminded that you live in a very sinful world. Um, I guess that would probably be, that would it, yeah. Good, good. And I guess related, how to deal with anti-Catholics. Uh, Like I said, with the other one, I would choose my battles wisely. See if they're actually willing to have a conversation with you, because some people actually are going to want to have a conversation with you and are actually genuinely curious. Other people are just going to try and ask you questions and prove you wrong. They're not actually going to listen to you. They're not actually going to try in any way to understand your side of the argument nothing like that. And so in those cases, again, we don't want to throw our, per, uh, our pearls to swine. Uh, so it's very important that you learn to differentiate between those two types of people. Um, the other thing I would suggest is to pray for them. That's honestly, it's one of my mottos, haters will be prayed for. I think that's just a motto we all need to live by. But uh, genuinely, honestly, like prayer does really help. It really works. And not just prayer, but also fasting for those people can be genuinely helpful in their own spiritual journey through life. So I highly suggest those things. Good, good. 
I, I actually want to just insert something here too. I was a little confused on that question, how to deal with anti-Catholics, whether that would be people that were more uh, agnostic or atheist, that would be anti-Catholic or anti-religion in general, or people in other Christian faiths that would um, be anti-Catholic. Is there a different way to address both those? Um, honestly, not really, because I have met atheists who are extremely respectful of my view as a Catholic and just want to genuinely know. And I've met uh, evangelical Christians who just want to force their view on me. Um, so it really just depends on the person, not so much the religious background of the person. Sure. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. Next question. Would you ever get a tattoo? <laughs> Uh, is it bad to say I was literally contemplating getting one last year <laughs> and even like a month ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, no, I can't. I can't because it's a permanent thing and I just, I can't deal with permanent things because I'm going to want to change it. I am not a permanent person. And so that's why like semi-permanent ones that you can order online and customize, I feel like are really cool options. Um, but to permanently have something etched into my skin no thanks <laughs> i can't do that <laughs> that's not is that technically or not a bad thing to get as a catholic are you supposed to mark your body up or is that more of like an old testament thing Ugh, uh you know it just it really depends because depends on who you ask if you ask father ripperger ripperger who's extremely traditional he will say that it's body mutilation um and in a way it is because you're altering the way your body is and you're you know um, other people like Catholic Answers, Father Mike Schmitz, et cetera, will say they're acceptable as long as they're nothing satanic. You have to be smart about smart about it. So bring your brain to the ink shop, basically. <laughs> Don't get like satanic symbols and stuff like that and make sure uh, it's not a modesty issue because you can commit the sin of immodesty um, through it. Um, but there's certain cultures where that's a part of their culture and it's not sinful. It's just how they express themselves culturally. I mean, in Africa and other places. So it depends on the intention behind the tattoo. And it also depends on like um, what it is. And what was, what was your idea? What were you going to get? Can you say, <laughs> was it going to be a daisy on your ankle? Oh my gosh. Calling me out. No, it was, I don't know if I actually still have the cutout, but it's basically the hand of God coming down to Adam's hand. Like that, that, you know, you know that, yeah. Who was that by? Um, that was by like, le le whatever. I don't even know. Um, yeah. So it was basically like the hand of God coming down to Adam. And then on it, it says, I loved you at your darkest, which is, I believe is Romans five, eight or eight, five, 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 eight. And, um, I was going to, yeah, get that. But I was just like, nah, was, I can't do that. Gonna, and it was going to be huge on your entire back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just every, I might as well have just gotten it on my forehead, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about a giant Superman S on my chest. Oh yeah, that, that way you don't even have to like wear a suit. You don't even have to wear a suit underneath. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Great big yellow smiley face on my face, you know? Oh yeah, you know, go ahead. I mean, you don't have much hair so you could put it on the back of your head. Right. right. <laughs> no offense. Be a big bullseye back there is what it would be. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, okay, no. so what are some tips on teaching kids 10 to 13-ish? first year as a CCD catechist? Oof. Okay. Well, this is my first year as a CCD catechist too. So woo, hey, uh, high five. Um, the best thing I can say is I have the age, age group of like 
10 to 12. I don't have 13 year olds, but I figured that's close enough. Um, the best thing I can say is they really need to be active. They really need games. They really need uh, uh, trust games specifically. So right now my kids are learning about the 10 commandments and Moses. And so what I did was I basically made a pin the tail on the donkey game with Velcro and the 10 commandments. So I have these two poster boards that are numbered uh, one through 10. And then I cut out the 10 commandments, like the actual commandments, and I put Velcro on it. So they have to stick it to what commandment they think it is. So thou shalt not kill. They have to put it, you know, where they, what commandment they think that is. Um, so basically one kid's blindfolded, the other one has to lead them. And that, per and the person who's blindfolded has to trust the person leading them to put them in the correct spot. Um, so it's a trust game, but it's also them learning about the commandments and they actually have to memorize this stuff and know it because they're not allowed to use their books. And then whoever gets it right, like how many they get right is how many pieces of candy they get. Um, anyways, that's just an idea that I have, but you can also that's take what Moses did. He gave out candy, actually. Yeah. People who came and looked at the tablets. <laughs> yeah. Here, here. You ready? Oh, here's some candy for you. Some Skittles. Oh, you don't like Skittles? It was Let like a game some... <laughs> show. Yeah. It's just like, all right, you get a candy this, and you get a this Skittle is like it. this is like like uh, pin the tail on the donkey, only like pin the commandment on the tablet is what you, <laughs> yeah, basically, exactly. you made here. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to be very resourceful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, it really does not take that much to entertain kids. Like kids are very resourceful. Also bringing snacks with, uh, is super important. Uh, I, I highly suggest bagged snacks instead of like bowls of candy and snacks because then just gets a mess. Um, but that's really important because sometimes they get hungry. I have them for like an hour and a half. Uh, the other things that I would highly suggest is to get them involved, ask them how certain things relate to their life. You know, like the other day we were learning about uh, basically like the fall of man and, and, you know, the first sin committed, which was disobedience. And I was like, have you ever disobeyed your parents, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And how do you think that made your parents feel? How do you think God felt when Adam and Eve disobeyed him? So kind of integrating their lives into the, the, the books of the Bible is really important. Um, and just having fun with them and asking them like what they're interested about learning and things like that. All good tips. All good tips. Yeah. The next one is how to pray for unbelieving family members. Also those who are lukewarm. Ah, the best thing you can do is pray and fast. So I did a pray and fasting video on my YouTube channel a little while back, and I basically explained fasting. Um, but it is very important that we pray and fast because not did like Jesus didn't just pray. He went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and fasted. And so it's important that we're following in Christ's footsteps and we're imitating him. And so through that, we imitate through prayer and fasting. Now you can do the bread and water fast. Uh, I have yet to try that because I have blood sugar issues. Sometimes I'm not diabetic, but I just, I get lightheaded. It's a normal thing. Uh, <laughs> um, yet I live off like a coffee in the morning for like seven hours anyways. Uh, <laughs> but it's like bread and water fasting, or you can do the traditional two snacks and then a meal, which is what the Catholic church has prescribed that kind of thing. Um, it really just depends. You can do your own research on the fastings and the different types, but through prayer and fasting, we can offer up our uncomfortableness for these people. And it's very powerful. It really, really is. Very good. Very good. The next one is some Catholic boys that this person has dated twist the faith and rules. 
tips on how to stay strong and say no. Oof. All right. If the Catholic boys are trying to twist Catholic teaching to, to either, I don't even know, I don't have any context, but to either get sex or to get something that obviously goes against Catholic faith before marriage. Um, a don't, don't date them. That's, it's a no, no, don't do that. (laughs) But the other thing is, is how do we stay strong in that? Because there might be a guy we really, really like. And so how do we avoid his influence in our lives? Because we have a crush on him because feelings are real. Like they can take over. And sometimes they blind us honestly from who this person really is. So the best thing I can say is again, prayer and fast for an answer from God. The second thing is if there's red flags, make a list, make a list of red flags and make a list and be honest. Okay. Don't just be like, Oh, he said he wanted to have sex before marriage, but I think I can change his mind. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Please women. Don't do that. Guys don't do that either. Um, be honest, be brutally honest with yourself and be like, he said this, this goes against my faith and it goes against what God wants for me. Therefore, this man is not for me because God's not going to put a man in your life. Who's going to make you go against God's commandments. Okay. So it's very important that you are going to confession and that you are going to receive the sacraments regularly. And honestly, one of the best things is to have a confessor, which is a priest. You solely confess your sins to, And, um, honestly, my confessor is also my spiritual director, um, and, and a spiritual director, like they are so, so important and don't be afraid if the first spiritual director, you don't click with, that's okay. If you don't click with them, you don't click with them. And that's okay. You need to find somebody who you click with. I was lucky enough where I went through about four or five spiritual directors. And then I found my confessor and I asked him to be my spiritual director as well. It's been great. So I just think in general, those two things are super, super important. Very good. What virtue has the Holy Spirit blessed you with lately? Patience, which is one that I have lacked in so much in the last two years coming back into my faith. I was constantly impatient, lazy, didn't want to do anything, didn't want to work, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, over the last like six months-ish, Um, I've really gotten a lot better at being patient with the kids that I babysit. Um, and that's interesting too, like having a completely different perspective through patience when babysitting, because these kids don't know, like they're learning, you know, it's not that their fault that they're going off the walls or this or that I'm the one that gave them sugar, you know? (laughs) So just having patience in, in those areas has been a real blessing. So definitely came from God because there's no way I did that on my own. (laughs) Good, good. Um, here's one, what drew you back into the Catholic faith rather than other denominations? You know, that's a good question because I know a lot of people ask that question, like, well, what's so special about it? The Eucharist is obviously a big one. Um, because we have the true presence of Jesus Christ, uh, no other, no other, uh, denomination or branch of Christianity has that I've gone to a bunch of different Protestant, uh, services. Uh, I never participated. Um, but I went to a bunch back before I came into my faith and they were just not fulfilling to me. It just seemed like a party. It was never really about God. It was just about them and how they felt. And that didn't sit right with me. Um, yeah, of course I was raised Catholic, but the Holy spirit isn't a feeling. 
you know, it's not, you know, adrenaline is a feeling. The Holy Spirit can touch us in ways, of course, but at the end of the day, if there's loud music playing and lights flashing and you jumping up and down, listening to your favorite song, a Christian song, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's, that's you being excited about music and stuff. And that's not a bad thing, but don't, don't quote that as worship. That's not worship. Um, so I kind of went through that a lot and, um, even Anglican churches and Lutheran and stuff like that, that are a, a little closer to Catholicism than, you know, modern day Protestant denominations, uh, that didn't know, no, <laughs> uh, I noticed a lot of flaws in that too. And not in the people, cause people are always going to have flaws, you know, um, people I go to church with obviously have flaws. I have flaws. It's not about the people that were there, but how they were worshiping God and God has a specific way he once worshiped. And and that's what the Catholic church has held true for the last 2000 years. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Are there any things that we should not do on Sundays? (laughs) Where to begin on that one? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I guess I can recite what the catechism kind of says about this. Um, So Catechism of the Catholic Church 2185 states that on Sundays and other holy days of obligation, the faithful are to refrain from engaging in work or activities that hinder the worship owed to God. The joy proper to the Lord's day, the performance of the works of mercy, and the appropriate relaxation of mind and body, family needs, or important social services can legitimately excuse the obligation of Sunday rest. The faithful should see to it that legitimate excuses do not lead to habits um, to religion, family, uh, the pre prejudicial, uh, religion, family life and health. So basically what that's staying there is that it's okay to sweep the floor, do the dishes and take care of the things that need to be taken care of. Like the baby needs to be changed. Obviously you're not going to just leave the baby there until Monday. The baby needs to be changed. You know, dinner needs to be prepped. That kind of work is understandable. Uh, the kind of work that wouldn't be understandable in that aspect would be like, uh, shopping or, um, gardening, painting, renovating houses, uh, landscaping, any of that heavy, heavy duty work. Um, and then the catechism goes on to say that traditional activities like sports, restaurants, et cetera, and social necessities. So like public services, uh, so like firefighters, et cetera, require some people to work on Sundays, but everyone should still take care to set aside sufficient time for leisure. Um, so Uh, And then I guess I'll just actually read the last part of what the catechism says. Every Christian should avoid making unnecessary demands on others that would hinder them from observing the Lord's day. So basically, yeah, you can do the tasks like homeworks, you know, dishes, that sort of thing. Uh, But when it comes to bigger things, leave that for another day. Uh, That's not Sunday. This is, you know, this is actually kind of (laughs) controversial because in an ideal world, uh, everyone should have Sunday off to relax and recharge with the Lord. Um, and we, uh, but I guess the controversial side of it is that we should not be eating out <laughs> on Sundays or going shopping. And I say it's controversial because I'm constantly in the middle of arguments about this all the time. Like, okay, for example, if somebody, like, if somebody invites me to a baby shower that's on Sunday at a buffet, I'm not going to miss the baby shower, though I will try and tip the waiters generously if I can. (laughs) But if it's just like a, hey, I want to go get drinks and it's Sunday, then I'm probably going to say no because I don't want to make someone work 
on Sunday, you know, it's the Lord's day. Uh, but I hear some people say, well, they're working anyway, so why can't I? And then I've heard other people say that the only reason they need to work is that be, like, because we, we need to buy things on Sunday. And then other people say, well, they're probably not even religious because they're working on Sunday. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a big topic. <laughs> uh, but personally, when I worked retail, I worked fast food. I worked at Chick-fil-A. I already had Sundays off anyway, so didn't have to worry about that. Uh, but then when I worked at PetSmart, I had to request off uh, Sundays and Saturdays usually too. I usually took both days off because I had school. I only worked part-time anyways, um, but they were fine with that because of my religious reasons. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky topic, um, but basically just, I guess to sum it all up, uh, I wouldn't go out shopping or to restaurants unless it's like birthday party. Somebody invites you, it'd be rude not to go a wedding happens on Sunday. Oh, I'm not going to go because it's on Sunday and I don't want to make people work like, you know. Well, I, I think what you're trying to define is whether you're going to a proper job and you're working on Sunday versus a leisure activity. I like going to a birthday party to me is like a leisure activity. Oh, yeah. It's togetherness. It's community. You know, you're that's what you're doing in that regard. I even think in terms of like eating out, you know, there, there, there is a it's a good way to put this maybe that sounds right. I mean, yeah, there are people going to a job on a Sunday, but they're in servitude to feed you. Mm -hmm. They're there to, that's what they're doing. You know, if you're going to a job working for spectrum cable, trying to sell people to buy cable on a Sunday, calling people's houses, there's a special place in hell for that guy and his job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think that's really the thing. I, I didn't know where you were going to go with this question because there's 20 million different responses to this on what you should yeah. not do. Should I not do drugs on Sunday? You know? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, no, no, don't know. do drugs on Sunday. Any but, other day. No, I'm but, just am, but am I allowed to gamble, drink? I mean, you know, some... And that's the other thing because Sunday is a feast day, mm -hmm. you know? And so that, that's the day where we get to have family dinners and we have a big feast and we can have wine or we can have yeah. alcohol and things like that. So it's very tricky, but the main thing would be take time for leisure, take time for family. That's what's really important. And don't like, don't do these projects that can last for the weekday. Yeah. 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 And for the record, the only drugs the religious hippie and I are on is coffee. So. Caffeine specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see this ginormous mason jar? How many ounces is this? That's probably way too many. That looks like a quart <laughs> of coffee. Uh, this right is now. a full wide mouth mason jar. And I think it's like 20 ounces. Oh, nope. Two cups. <laughs> the last question we have here is how to find nice people at youth group. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Trust me. I know. Um, so hmm, let me just say that, man, that's a good question because here's the thing I've struggled with this. I found both good and mean people at a youth group. And the issue was, is that for some reason I hung out with the mean people because I actually couldn't tell you why. I felt like maybe I needed validation from them because I wasn't completely confident in who I was as a person. And because they were kind of being mean to me, I, I just wanted them to accept me. So I tried being nicer to them. There was like this whole thing. Um, the best thing I can say for you is to be confident in yourself. Be confident in who you are as a son or daughter of God. Um, and the right people will follow the best thing I can say is if you are finding mean people at your youth group, like 
and you can't find like any nice people, maybe it's, it's it's either time to bring that to the priest's attention or to go to a different youth group. Um, and honestly, there's tons of youth groups. There really, really is, are. Um, you just have to find the right one for you, but just be yourself and, and don't, I guess the, I don't really know how to say it. Like, I don't want to say like, oh, don't be like clingy or needy or anything like that. But, but just, I just want to say be yourself, but that can be so hard depending on the age group we're talking about. Because if you're in like middle school, high school, it can be so hard to even know who you are as a person. You're so young. You're still getting into the world. You're still trying to figure out who you are, what you like, your interests, disinterests. So the best thing I can say is just be truly yourself. You know, uh, if you, if you like baking, say you like baking, bring cupcakes for people, you know, you will find people if you just put yourself out there and you share the things that you love with those people and the people who don't appreciate you and stuff like that, well, they can take a hike, but those that do, you'll know because they'll tell you. I don't know. What do you think? I also think, uh, when it comes to community, there are different types of cultures and Mm. you can get in, it's like corporate culture. You fit in at one place, but you don't necessarily fit it in another, you know? And it's like that when you find the church that you really like, you might've tried several places before you got the one where you really felt like you belong there. And, uh, and I think that these types of little mini cultures exist all over. It also helps, helps uh, it, it also, this same thing holds true for like self-help groups. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to go fit in with a certain type of culture. If it's too much against the grain, you kind of need to find a different group. Yeah. I think that's really the key. That group might be perfect and harmonious the way it is. And there just may be something about it that doesn't click. And I don't think there's any shame in looking for another group to find. Um, in fact, by doing that, you broaden your community and your social circle in a way by, by exploring those places. I try to go to as many different churches as I can. I love to go to them. I travel all over the country. I go to different churches. I love to see, observe what goes on in these, because sometimes you see the exact same thing that you're used to seeing in your home church. And then you see that somewhere else and you feel at home immediately. And other times it's just like, maybe the people are different or the part of the country or, uh, you know, maybe an economic level of some, there was some difference to where you don't feel like you're quite at home. Sometimes it's as simple as the architecture, you mm-hmm. know, where you just don't feel at home in that room, you know, and that's yeah. what people need. People need to find that joy and that happiness and to be able to fully connect with people. All your ideas are great though, in terms of trying to make a connection, but if all else fails, there are going to be other groups. Exactly. And fun fact, I feel most comfortable at the Roman architecture of churches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I love Roman. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I, lo- I love to, one of the things I love to do is just f- f- for like all churches, not just Catholic churches, but all temples, churches. I, I really appreciate the architecture of many of those. And I like to explore and see different ones from city to city. Yeah. Orthodox have some cool ones too. There's also an energy in those in those rooms and you can kind of feel when you're in a really great spot that reached the Lord versus a spot where, you know, questionable, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe not somebody's basement, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sure. You know, the strip mall churches and things, but you know what, it's weird because like the strip mall church sometimes has the same feel as a mega church. That's an auditorium, you know, you know and it's, it's- a- funniest thing is that during COVID, one of my friends, 
uh, they had to move their church, their TLM, actually into a strip mall and secretly have TLM there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, in, in, I grew up in the middle. You're in the, mid, you're in the Midwest. You know, yeah. I'm in the Midwest. There's a whole lot, especially when you get out into the counties, there's a whole lot of like pole barn churches mm-hmm. and things like that, you know? And it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I appreciate, I saw one in an old 7-Eleven the other day. Someone oh. moved the church into a 7-Eleven. I saw somebody convert an old, an old church into a house. That was kind there's of a weird. Whole, there's a whole lot of the happy churches and things that pop up yeah. in like strip malls and old restaurants and things like Kumbaya. that. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I the know. holy rollers and stuff, you know? <laughs> all the fun, all the fun stuff. All the fun stuff. Well, that uh, wraps up all our uh, all our um, email and text related questions. Anyone who has a question they want to answer, they want answered on our year in review show. We're only going to take audio questions. So go mm-hmm. to anchor.fm forward slash the religious hippie and leave a voicemail message for Amber, and we will play it on the show, and she will answer your question. Um, but anything, comments, anything you want answered leave it for us. We want to put you on the air for the final episode of the year. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear some of y'all's voices and get to talk to you guys personally a little bit. I think this is a great way we get to do that. So I'm really excited for the end of year podcast. You don't want to miss it. And that's it for us today. I'll let you take us out. All right. Thanks for being with us, Todd. I appreciate it. Always reading questions for me. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys uh, got your answers to your questions if you guys had them here. Otherwise, please do send in a voicemail message. I would love to hear from you guys and we will talk to you guys in the next podcast. Bye. questions or comments about today's episode, email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.